0: You are now listening to the Do Something Good Today podcast, brought to you by Everybody's Juice, a podcast reminding you to do something good today for your body, mind, or soul. Are you having trouble sleeping, fatigue, and low energy getting the best of you every day? From time to time, it's good to give your body a rest from the stresses of everyday life. We can't control everything, but we can control what we put in our mouths. You might wanna try a juice cleanse from everybody's juice. Offering three, five and seven day juice cleanses with organic fruit and vegetables. A cleanse from everybody's juice is a good way to give your digestive system a break so your body can heal and repair itself quickly. Feed yourself pure nutrition that your body can absorb immediately. Help your liver and kidneys detoxify your body. Give your body what it needs to slim down and have more energy. Participating in a cleanse helps you break old, bad food habits such as eating out of boredom, eating too much junk food, etc. By going on a juice cleanse, you give yourself the opportunity to start fresh and reset your body. All our cleanses come with a guide that prepares you before, during, and after the cleanse. If it's your first time, we know that the thought of a cleanse can be a little intimidating. Our cleanse program is designed so that the during is just as enjoyable as the after. Each juice in our cleanse is specifically created to nourish the body while flushing out toxins. Whether you are a newbie, amateur, or pro, give it a try and your body will love you for it. Go to everybodysjuice.com and use code EJUICE20 to take $20 off your first juice cleanse.
1: We are back with another episode of the Do Something Good Today podcast brought to you by Everybody's Juice. We are live on location, beloved. We're here at New Brooklyn Farms in Mount Rainier, Maryland. Here with the owner, the founder, New Brooklyn Farm, Doug, Doug Adams, Doug, what's up, bro? I am him. Pleasure, (laughs) man. Man, thank you. We we tried to, you know, get this situated over internet and, you know, that just, internet is just crazy. So, I just decided to pull up, man. Doug invited me, you know, to a space and loving it. I'm loving what I'm saying so far, you know, the conversations that we've been having, man. I'm amazed to see what he's going to do next. So... Let's let's take a, a trip down memory lane before so, New Brooklyn Farms, I mean, what were you doing before this? Man, Before this I was a music guy. I okay. was
2: I was a sound engineer aspiring you know what I'm saying music producer slash exec. So okay. I come from you know just having that desire from a young age to be Bitty, okay. be Master P, yeah. be Russell and um you know
1: needless to say life takes you in different directions and there I am on my farm right now absolutely so was it always I know you said that this was your this is your childhood home right the location of your childhood home right next door next door yeah. okay got yeah. it so was it sort of like something written like in the family documents? like hey you get this property you make sure you do something good with it or was this just something that just popped up I did it just it with it. popped up man I actually
2: bought this property in 2016 okay so um, you know this was always just like disassociated from the family house it was a used to be a dope house actually in front of the space okay knocked it down in the uh, mid 90s and then just sat vacant for years and um, you know just used to play football on this joint and everything and um, and then uh, you know the owner had passed hands a few times in the 2000s and the owner in 2016 asked my family if he wanted to buy And they couldn't do it so you know i was like that's a, that's a hell of an opportunity so i took it
1: so how did you finance this did you because black farmers have always had issues with getting just funding in general but especially buying an entire new property like what was that process like yeah so um it was tough um, i had to learn about
2: an alternative financing strategy which is uh, referred to as seller financing so essentially most people, when they buy property, you go to a bank and they give you a mortgage. They loan you the money to purchase. And um, banks don't finance vacant land is what I learned. Like vacant land is seen as a high risk, still an asset, but it's not something that can come and seize in a meaningful way that will make you say, think twice about defaults. Right. Loan so <clears throat> I essentially went back to the owner and was like, I can't find financing, but I want to do the deal. And he said, well, you know what? I'll finance it if you're willing to you know, give me larger down payment so I gave him a larger down payment than I would have to for a traditional mortgage and um, make the monthly payments to him okay with, with, with a reasonable interest rate so he okay. really looked out so
1: you skipped the entire banking process skipped the entire did, bank he, did he personally take you through like a credit check or anything like yeah, that he or?
2: required a, he requested a, a, a credit report okay um, but he didn't like he didn't he didn't go as hard as you know a bank probably would have or a mor- the mortgage process Saturday. is you know
1: okay so why a wild farm like you i mean you bought this you could have turned it into anything you could have just you know bought it and made it into a residential property you know why why turn it into a farm
2: um i just the way i am i i got to be passionate about whatever it is i'm doing um i knew that it was a long-term play um i wasn't really hot on the idea of acquiring the property, building on it immediately and having some strangers, even though it would be financially beneficial to me living next to my mom's house. So I'm just like, let me just buy it. I can afford to make the payments for now, figure it out. And I'm a health and wellness guy, you know, and um, I'm just like, that would be dope to grow food. Okay.
1: So what are you guys growing?
2: So my specialties are primarily herbs. Okay. Uh, You know, I'm increasingly getting more fruit trees and shrubs. Um, and then, um, you know, getting the flowers, but it's mostly high value specialty crops that I mostly specialize in and I grow, not just for uh consumer direct consumer sales. I grow custom growth for businesses.
1: Okay. And Got it. So when we talk about farms, how does a, a black farmer actually turn it into a profitable business?
2: It's a million dollar question, bro. Okay. A million dollar question. So in my opinion as somebody who is really not about that life of being a real farmer, waking up at 6 a.m. and, you know, doing everything that comes with that life. Mm-hmm. And then the means of income is strictly buying and selling food. I just don't believe in that model for the, the kind of financial goals I have. So with that being said, my approach to it off the rip was it got to be a hybrid of a lot of things like we were talking about earlier has to be diversification of buying and selling of food, but we're not selling commodities cause you know, it's, it's more competitive. You're doing specialty stuff working with businesses, buying and selling, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, selling directly to businesses for crops that they can't find anywhere else. So okay. you get it at a premium. And then also event programming. So my space doubles as what I branded as Green Event Space. So, okay. so you know, everything that comes with this, you know, compatible with health and wellness and healthy living.
1: Kind of against that I host, so. okay, and got it. Okay, so you, you're taking a different approach, which is which is you know, that's that's a good thing because I think that especially right now, I was reading an article, I think it was in CNN, they said that it was less than less than two percent of farmers right now are black owned, and that's specifically because they just can't afford it. like the tractors that it takes, like the. They upkeep the land that they have a lot of them a lot of the black farmers they don't own their land they're using old equipment that has been outdated the technology that they have is very outdated as well so it's like a double whammy. they can't afford it and they're losing their properties and in return it's just like in the bigger scope of things it's lessening the the wealth gap between you know blacks and whites so when we look at how america is moving towards and president biden just said it himself he said you know, expect a food shortage mm-hmm. and we really get that type of honesty from a politician, but he was like straight up honest about it. Yeah. So how do you see that affecting the outlook of farming in the next two to three? Maybe it could be maybe sooner than two to three years.
2: It's definitely going, it already, the pandemic already jump started interest. In you know, black people specifically return to the land and want to grow their own food. Right. Primarily, what you've seen is a lot of pandemic gardeners, as they call them, people that just have more time at home and want to grow their own food, be more right. self-sufficient. Didn't um, want to take the risk going to grocery stores, but I feel like it's going to evolve from that. A lot of those pandemic gardeners are going to eventually get to a point where they make, they have a good-paying job, they was able to save some money in these last few years, and make that leap to becoming a full-time farmer why because now there's also the push for equity within the USDA that uh, USDA has appointed a social equity initiative uh, committee and uh, initiative to kind of uh, equal the playing field for accessing the you know the significant financing opportunities that have helped the white farms build the, the chokehold that they have on the industry so i think all those factors considered and then like obviously you know everybody loves plants now whether it's indoor you you, you might be a houseplant person and you already have a fundamental knowledge of soil and maintaining the plants and things like that so that that all is just like that track that can lead you to becoming a real farmer so i believe that you're going to see an uptick you can continue to see an uptick in black farming and um and yeah, and, and, and you know, a lot of people sitting on houses in the suburbs with, you know, really large spaces that could big be nice urban farm. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. They, it's just grass.
1: Especially in PG. I mean, yeah, PG exactly. County's exactly. Big exactly. Spaces. Backyard, exactly. So. so
2: you know, and that's that's what I'm trying to do. I mean, from day one, I was trying to. I was saying, look, people need to reimagine in this area specifically all this space that a lot of us have behind our homes. Like, start there. You don't even have to go out and buy something else like I did. Just start with what you got and go from there so
1: no it's interesting because I want to say we had a snowstorm uh the top of this year in DC January and um it was crazy like we were we usually get we get our supply of produce from you know certain farmers, and then we go to a a grocery store and they were literally just about out of everything that we needed we had had to I remember one day I had to drive to like Four grocery stores within DC and PG County just to pick up like some cucumbers and pineapple. Like our farmers didn't have it. Uh, the the grocery retailer the store that we go to didn't have it. And there was like a couple Safeways and Giants that just didn't have like cucumbers and pineapple. And it's just like, this is scary. Like if a snowstorm can get everybody out of whack like that, imagine what a quote unquote war can bring on. So it's almost kind of forcing us to be. Self-sufficient in that aspect, right? Because yeah. it's like I think the the pandemic has kind of made everyone realize that not only do you have to take your health and you know back into your own hands, but you know your entire lifestyle. For like we've been relying on the government, and I say we I'm generalizing, but a lot of people have been you know hoping and and just putting their hand, putting their their life in the hands of the government, and slowly but surely realizing that you know the financial system has been quote unquote red. Food system—it's complete trash. It needs to be completely overhauled. Mm -hmm. And so, when a snowstorm—that's not even really a snowstorm—maybe it's about a inch or two high—and that could cause a significant food outage throughout the D.M.V. area. A war can truly wipe us out of everything. Scary, man. Yeah. Scary.
2: But um, I think that there's a this whole storyline of grow your own food (laughs) and. become self sufficient from right. the grid all these buzzwords and buzz hashtags people got to understand it's really not that straightforward like all right, you so got a business give us the nitty gritty you yeah. got a business right I'll you grow it. like you going through tens and dozens of pounds of fresh produce on well, we, probably, every, probably every 3 days sometimes yeah. and to to produce at that scale you have to like let alone the logistics, but just the space that's required to really say, "Look, we want to go into farming, and we want to make this whole thing closed loop." Like, who? who you, you first of all, you gotta have the expertise, right. and you gotta have tens or, or hundreds of acres right. just to just to realistically have that kind of scale. So, like, even feeding your own family, like, you know, you gotta you gotta really do some intensive farming, and a lot of people are just not ready for that. They they love the idea; it's something to aspire to. Right. And, and you know, I'm all for that, but like at best you supplementing certain things, you know what I mean? But that's and that's a step in the right direction, but this whole oh, growing your own food is going to resolve uh, potential food shortages and all that. No, it's not. Understand that. So <laughs> is,
1: I mean, so is there a logical way that we can start preparing for?
2: I think the most logical way is to support your local farmers. Okay. Support the people closest to you who got the 50 acres. Who got the twenty acre operations where they're growing intensively. Because at the end of the day, if things go left, those are gonna be the people with the power. You wanna be in already in a CSA and already have reports What's them. the CSA? Oh, community supported agriculture. Okay. Basically it's like a, a prepaid subscription where you pay a certain amount of money and you receive a box of fresh produce from a local farmer, uh, you know, every week or okay. bi weekly, and that's a very popular way, uh, a business uh, uh, product okay. for farmers. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah.
1: So, I mean, how did you get the knowledge to even, you know, start the process of growing your own herbs and certain vegetables and
2: fruits? Um, I knew nothing. I mean, my grandparents uh, were in Mississippi before they passed and they, you know, raised chickens and had some fruit trees and certain things that they grew, but I don't come from a family of real farmers. So, um, how I learned really was just, um, I spent like a year and a half, two seasons of just heavy volunteering, really, to be honest with you, just going out and learning as much as I could through
1: volunteering experiences. Do you have like a, 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 a coach or a mentor that's been kind of helping guide you through this process or everything um, has just been pretty much, you know, on your own?
2: Um, nah, I, I, I definitely have some people that have been mentors. Um, but um, I would say that the main, the main thing that drove it home for me was going out and volunteering at UBC's uh, Urban Farm, they have a farm in Bellsville, it's a research farm. Okay. Um, and uh, there I met with a dude named uh, John Manorokiza, he managed a ethnic crop program and they were like growing like acres of like, you know, African ethnic crops and, um, you know, uh, donating a lot of it but then also selling some of it so I learned a lot about the whole process from sowing seeds managing your seedlings in a greenhouse bring it out to the field managing it throughout the summer and then harvesting and um, the different retail outlets for you know to make revenue so that was where I learned a lot
1: so how long was I mean you, okay so let's backtrack you, you purchased the land in 2016 correct yep Okay, so how long from that process of purchasing the land does it take for you to get everything up and running? Um,
2: twenty sixteen, I purchased at the end of the year, so it was like almost so really winter. So yeah, it's really twenty seventeen okay. when I got started. Twenty sixteen, though, and going to twenty seventeen, <laughs> all season, I attended different conferences. Okay, you know, I linked up with um, the the Prince George's County Soil Conservation District. Um uh you know got some got some access to a lot of connections to usda understood how grants work learned about different programs um so that was like you know and that's what farmers do doing the off season is the admin and networking stuff then that summer started the, the um the volunteering process with udc and then also that summer i started to grow my own crops so i these these raised beds right here these metal raised beds mm-hmm. i just um Basically built those. Okay. There was no greenhouse. It was nothing else. It was all grass, and um, I just started small with like, I think like spinach, microgreens, and okay. a couple of herbs, and just tested it out. It was successful. I sold some of my crops to a local restaurant that used to be across the street, okay. and um, and that was how I got started, man. But but for years, like this greenhouse went up summer 2020, so I was operating with no greenhouse for okay. the first. What Three do You years. speak
1: to the importance of why greenhouses needed.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. So basically, a greenhouse is it extends your growing season. So okay. imagine it gets cold here in the northeast in our region uh, typically around like October. You I mean, start to get the frost, and then most crops right. can't survive. But if you have a greenhouse, it retains heat, and um, in most cases, it retains heat and and um, protection from the elements. Okay. So basically, like you know. Right, like right now, like you know what I mean. Like it's a little bit chilly today. Temperatures would have dropped to freezing. I could roll the sides down and give these, this lettuce and the salad bits, some protection. Okay. You know what I mean. Whereas if you don't have the greenhouse, you gotta just cover your crops um, with uh, cloth, and it's a little more tedious. But I got the structure now okay. that um that benefits that.
1: So I'm not getting into your business, but how much would it typically cost to build something like this?
2: So it's a range. Um, basically i went for you know a really good brand called okay. Remo. um and then um you know it's a combination of the product buying the greenhouse and then also if you don't if you're not able to construct it yourself you gotta hire a contractor okay so all in for me like it was probably between like you know the, it was probably between 15 and 20k okay but the usda has a great program a grant program called the equip Um, a grant program where basically it's through the NRCS agency of the USDA and what they do is they offer you a cost share um, based on your square footage so basically my greenhouse is about 1400 square feet so I went through the process got approved for a grant and then once I got approval for that I go and buy my greenhouse and whatever my, my square footage comes out to they are reimbursing me a certain dollar amount a square foot, so oh that nice, that helped nice that nice. that helped me a lot. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, what would you say? So, let's just round 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 ball quicker. So, someone just purchasing land, they're looking to get into the farming business. What would be like the initial startup cost they would need?
2: It all depends on what you want to do, but let's say it's a similar lot like this quarter of an acre quarter yeah. of
1: an acre i mean this is still big
2: though this is yeah. yeah 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 i mean i would say you want to have at least if you want to grow like let's say the commodities kale spinach all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff you know i can't even say i can't even speak to this you know why because there's so many programs that i didn't even take advantage of okay Okay. <laughs> so <coughs> excuse me like really if you really that kind of person that's on grants and you set your business up as a nonprofit, you might not really need to raise much money. Okay. Or start mm-hmm. with much money of your own. So I was and I would advise that. If somebody is really about that life and they don't have a nine to five and they have a lot of time and connections to put into pursuing grants and things like that. Go for it, you know what I'm saying. But that's the way. Yeah. I I I wanted to maintain the Dame Dash mentality. Okay, okay, you know, okay, you know yeah. what I'm saying. I want to control. Own the ship. Exactly. I want Exactly. Yeah. I own my. I'm like yeah. I own my land off the rip. This yeah. is how it's gonna be. I'm And um, you know, most farming is not like that, especially urban. Most urban farming enterprises is nonprofits. Okay. Most. You know what I'm saying. So most
1: of my community. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah.
2: But I just okay. wasn't with that, and I knew myself. I knew I was living in another state. I knew that you know how I am. Like I want to do things at my own pace. I didn't really have a team, so I'm just like I'm. I'm just it's dope. It's gonna win. You know what I'm saying? I'm just doing my own pace. So that's how I work for me. But I would recommend people looking into grants. Okay. So there's grants out there now, or combination of grants, and you can start a whole. Like this, this incubator program that the, that the county offers. Like you might not even need to put up no money. You just gotta go through a farming training program, grow mm-hmm. yourself a little bit. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Eco City Farms is offering an incubator farm program. Like it's a lot of opportunities. So that's what I would recommend. Okay. Don't focus on the money.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. I mean, it's, it's hard to tell somebody that, it is. but it is, especially in the it beginning. Too. But it's as you, people. the more knowledge you get, you understand it's, it's not about the money. It's about finding loopholes. Yeah. That's man. really all. And, it and is. the right people. The right, right people. people. Don't try to do it yourself. Yeah. That's the other thing. I,
2: that's the other mistake I made. Don't try to do it by yourself. So
1: how big is your team now? Because I know you you said you have volunteers now, right?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, as it stands right now, I have two people that I work with okay. on a part-time basis. I have a, a greenhouse manager part-time. His name is Tim. He lives in Mount Rainier, okay. a local resident, great guy. He's, he I met him building a greenhouse okay. in volunteering. and he's been he helped me build a lot of these raised beds he's a okay. he's a technical guy a degree from cornell um and then um i have a, a booking manager who i work with on the programming side okay. and natalie Almini. she she's really been a force um you know helping me get my programming you know elevated for this upcoming season um but other than that man that's my team okay yeah, yeah.
1: so i know you also stated that you have a was it a, a residence and training program? Oh, farming and residence. Farm and residence. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah my bad. That's
2: that, that. technically a, a team member as well. So, all right, when I started, I realized I'm living somewhere in another state.
1: Right.
2: I don't know what I'm doing. And I got this space though, that is pretty valuable. So how can I create a strategic partnership that would allow me to have somebody here is growing stuff in a serious way. It looks good aesthetically, so I can market my events. Um and then the trade-off, you know, I don't want to charge the rent, but the trade-off would be we cross-promote each other, okay, and then they assist me with maintaining my crops that I am growing. So from that came out, you know, uh, from that was um the, the, the farmer residence okay. that I developed. So with that right now I have a woman named uh Falani she's managing this area over here to the left with the um with this salad greens okay she's like a real she's more serious of an urban farmer than i am okay and she's great at content and everything else and our partnership is just that man she grows she calls promotes me i push her i'm launching a um a a farmer's market concept next weekend and she's gonna be featured there
1: so it's just a one hand wash the other situation okay nice so how do you decide, cause I mean, you don't grow everything that's in season, correct? Nope. So how do you decide like which crops are gonna be like the, I guess, the premier or future crops on a specific season? It
2: all depends on what kind of business, um, contract growing opportunities I have primarily. Right. So, um, you know, if I, if I know I gotta grow X amount of lemon thyme for a brewery, that's my priority. Like mm-hmm. I gotta maintain that. If I know I gotta grow holy basil for my bartender client, that's going to dictate what what I'm using my space for. Okay. Pretty much, um, there are some things that I just grow just for the hell of it because I like it. Like this patch here is stinging nettle. It's a, um, a herb called yeah. stinging nettles. And it's really good for immunity and stuff like that's personal. I drink that tea every day. So I'm and talking know so come bad. back out here and just
1: yeah, a few Basics, leaves and basically
2: okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, but um, other than that, man, you know, the space is very valuable because it's limited. You know, yeah. oh, yeah, it's a windy. um. So yeah, that's, that's, that's how I determine what I what I grow.
1: Yeah, okay. yeah. So for the, for the novice, the, the, the people who are a little free, you know, they, they hear about these food shortages, are we at risk of just running out of just like plants? Because I mean, we, 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 for people who are, I mean, I'm knowledgeable about the field. So I understand how these herbicides and pesticides are being used in agricultural farming to extend the shelf life of these, you know, certain produce coming from someone who actually owns a farm do you believe that we are at risk of you know there being like a shortage of actual plants to just build crops out of
2: Mm, I don't think that's the concern I think the concern is really the health of our soil okay in in, in this country Um, so (coughs) that's why you see in a lot of the the, the big momentum and the big buzzword in agriculture is regenerative. Yeah. yeah. So, when you, let's say, I, I, I plant tomatoes in this row, yeah. uh, in this crop, you know, a, a, a certain crop over X amount of seasons over and over and over. Eventually, that starts to deplete the nutrients in your soil. And then, when you go to plant tomatoes or something else there, it's stripped of its nutrients. Okay. And then, on top of that, especially in urban areas, we got to do a runoff. So, not- runoff is basically when it rains okay it's washing away the the soil the layers of soil and nutrients if you if you don't have proper um you know mulching techniques around to, to retain it okay. so the combination of those two things is leading to a lot of degraded soil like and that's corn farmers everybody all agriculture in this country is dealing with that and now the emphasis is on like you know using different methods of like you know composting layer composting and um, just having more attention to your soil health. Okay. So, oh so yeah. So, and that's and you know that's um that's really important. That's the thing that could threaten, threaten. So
1: I mean, are there steps that the average person can take? Yeah, to definitely. improve the soil of, you know definitely. how we grow our crops.
2: Definitely. Um, number one, you wanna you wanna tap in with your soil conservation district, that they will come out to your site for free and create a um. A management plan. Repeat that one more time. Can you say that? Oh, your soil conservation district. It exists in in every county in the country, I believe. Okay. They're funded by the USDA and then your state. The PG County, ours is the Prince George's County Soil Conservation District. And they come out, once you express interest in growing in a serious way, in an agricultural way, they come out, assess your site, and develop a uh, management plan for you to, uh, you know, kind of mitigate those effects that I just explained. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yep.
1: Yep. Okay. So, wrapping up, um, what's next for new Brooklyn Farms? man? You know? what, what, what can we expect? I mean, number one, you and know. also, do you sell, I don't mean to cut you off, but do you sell to, I know you said you have relationships with like bars, wrestling, things like that, but if someone just wants to come out. Regular, regular citizen. Can they come and purchase them as well?
2: Not really. Okay. Not really. Um you could buy from our farm and residence who produces here, Okay. But me personally, the direct consumer is not really, you not know, my, my okay. not, not it doesn't not make not sense true. for me and logistically I don't got a team and yeah. all that so um what you can do though is, you know, I'm also a brand too, and I'm trying to really develop my brand. Um I got merch, you know what I'm saying? I'm rocking the hoodie right now, fifth anniversary joint. Um you know, and then I uh, support the events. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I create a lot of dope event experiences out there in the green event space. Then um, um, I think it's, you know, nobody else is doing it, you know what I'm saying? One of a kind, unique, curated experiences. Um, you tap in with local producers, um, people in the wellness space, other wellness professionals, et cetera. And um, that's that's how you can that's how you can lock in with us. And then you know, obviously, like I feel like my story is powerful. I, I'm, I'm getting more into you know um, sharing my story and uh, building my personal brand. I gotta do better at that. But yeah, that's that's all it. Tell
1: yeah. yeah. so people where can they find you. On social media, website, events. They want to come to New Brooklyn phones, um on all social media
2: platforms: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, and then, uh, the website is newbrooklynfarms.com. and, um, and yeah, I mean, you know, other than that, you know, I'm not really on the more emerging platform, like this core we was talking about and all that stuff, but, TikTok, but
1: I, I, you ain't up there, I do have a TikTok, I but I posted, you. I posted
2: two times in 2020 and that was it, but, you know, I, I, gotta, I gotta stop being the dinosaur, yeah. man, you know, but we go get you, gotta it, You gotta know,
1: get man. on there, bro. <laughs> I'm becoming a dinosaur, man, that ain't cool, man. <laughs> On, honey. there you have it ladies and gentlemen doug adams of new brooklyn farms Amen. please come out and support this good brother i know our world is not the last time we'll be linking up this is the do something good today podcast brought to you by everybody's juice you can find it on all your podcast streaming platforms thank you for your support your listenership we love you we are out